Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. It is uh, kind of a, a, an interesting start to the day. We're getting good sound coming through Blog Talk Radio, and I think Facebook and um, the other video channels are kind of clogged right now. So if we're not being seen or heard on Facebook, I deeply apologize. Not sure what happened with our camera. Just a little bit further technical warfare going on. It's okay. Uh, but we'll get it worked out here real soon. So let me just, I'll put it all, there, there, there it is. It's just stuck. It looks like it's stuck. But uh, I want to get into some articles today for those of you who are tuned in right now on Blog Talk Radio at least. And I want to share these articles. A uh, very important article coming out from India, uh, believe it or not, of all places. Listen to this. I think this is going to help guide us into understanding the times that we are living in. India is planning to launch a digital version of the rupee, becoming the latest country to join the rush to create state-backed virtual currencies. So the country's central bank expects to introduce the currency using blockchain and other technologies, whatever those are, uh, sometime in the new fiscal year, which begins in April. Very interesting. According to Indian Finance Minister Nirmala Shitaraman, uh, presenting India's annual budget to Parliament on Tuesday, uh, Sitaraman said the digital rupee would give a big boost to the digital economy. She did not give any further details about what the launch would entail, how widely a digital rupee might be used initially, 
or what impact it might have. Wow. So the digital payments have grown dramatically in popularity in India since late 2016 when Prime Minister Narendra Modi banned the country's two biggest rupee bank notes. Apart from homegrown players such as Patim, some of the world's biggest tech companies, including Google and Facebook, have joined India's cashless payments boom. So the announcement comes as other major economies move forward with their own plans to launch virtual versions of their own currencies. China has been trialing its digital one in major cities for the last two years. It's, only, it's one of only three payment methods available to athletes, officials, and journalists attending the Beijing Winter Olympics this month. Europe and the United States have also been exploring the possibilities for a digital euro and digital dollar, though both have stressed the importance of mitigating financial risk presented by an e-currency. India has for years expressed concern about cryptocurrencies and how best to regulate digital assets, at times even flirting with a ban on cryptos. A cryptically worded proposal posted on the Indian Parliament website last year suggested the government was exploring plans to prohibit all private cryptocurrencies in India. The central bank has often expressed concerns that cryptocurrencies can be used for money laundering and to finance terrorism. Uh, in her speech on Tuesday, however, Sitharaman suggested that authorities are willing to continue allowing crypto trading in the country, albeit with some regulations. She said that the Indian government would impose a 30% tax on income from virtual, virtual digital assets. She said this, there has been a phenomenal increase in transactions in virtual digital assets. The magnitude and frequency of these transactions have made it imperative to provide for a specific tax regime. So the budget speech was greeted with a sign of relief from India's crypto investors and industry experts pointed to Sithraman's remarks as a sign that Asia's third largest economy would not ban virtual currencies. Hope to see a reduction of crypto ban fear in India, tweeted Nishkal Shetty, the founder of cryptocurrency platform, uh, Wazir X on Tuesday. He said, lot to unpack here, but overall, this is a very positive step forward for crypto ecosystem in India. Virtual currencies have become attractive to Indians since the start of the pandemic. While the government does not keep estimates of how many people trade cryptocurrencies, media reports have suggested that the country may hold as many as 20 million crypto investors, citing industry experts. So taxation of virtual digital assets or crypto is a step in the right direction. It gives much needed clarity and confidence to the industry, said Summit Gupta, co-founder of CoinDCX, an exchange that is also India's first crypto unicorn. All right, so there we have it, a new currency, everything moving in the direction globally. It doesn't always originate in the United States or in Europe, around the world. Uh, like in Australia, the way that they control things. They, these are the stepping stones uh, to bring about their plans. Now, a lot of people see the cryptocurrencies, the digital uh, financial market, if you will, as a very positive thing because supposedly um, it's less of an oversight of the federal government 
but you know what I know, if business is being transacted on the internet, somebody's watching. And every single transaction that you make, you go to the store to get a pack of gum, that transaction will be noted uh, by the monitoring systems. And so cryptocurrencies, digital currencies, it all is speaking, in my humble opinion, an understanding of the word of God to a time that you will not be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And remember, the enemy usually comes as an angel of light. So he usually, you know, he presents something that normally is harmless and is very good in some ways, but at the right time and the right takeover, that very system comes under the power and authority of dark evil spirits. Well, it'll always be used for negativity and bad. And so the Bible warns us about a time coming that you won't be able to buy or sell without a particular mark. And is that a digital mark? Is that a currency mark? You know, buying and selling, would the mark be associated with that? Um, There's a lot to unpack, no doubt. There's a lot to read and study and continue to peer into the Word of God to recognize the things that are actually going on. I thought this article was heartbreaking. I'm about to share with you right now. This is uh, very, very troublesome very troublesome. In the name of the article, and again, this is from the Prophecy News Watch. These are very reputable uh, outlets of information, and praise God, they're, they're Christian. Uh, this is the LGBT Thought Police. The LGBT Thought Police. Cops raid home of woman who criticized trans ideology. Listen to this. If you are one of those who believes that the transgender movement is about tolerance rather than a totalitarian takeover, uh, you have not been reading the news these past few years. Back in 2018, a 38-year-old mother was arrested in Herefordshire, UK, at her home in front of her 10-year-old autistic daughter and 20-month-old still breastfeeding son for having an argument with a transgender activist on Twitter and misgendering. (coughs) Excuse me. She was detained, photographed, fingerprinted, and locked up for seven hours. Then there was Marion Miller, an accountant and mother of autistic twin boys. She was charged with hate speech under the Malicious Communications Act for tweets disagreeing with transgender ideology posted in 2019 and 20, and could have faced two years in prison. The charges were not finally dropped until late 2021. And on Sunday, January 23rd of this year, the Gwent police arrested 53-year-old disabled women's rights campaigner, Jennifer Swain, detaining her for over 12 hours and releasing after 3 a.m., for defending biological sex against gender ideology. They subsequently raided her house, taking posters and stickers deemed offensive by trans activists with with phrases such as, no child is born in the wrong body, humans never change sex, no men in women's prison, and women equal adult human female. Those were offensive to the transgender community. So the police also confiscated a collection of essays edited by Dr. Heather Brunskill Evans and Professor Michelle Moore titled Transgender Children and Young People, Born in Your Own Body. 
Swain accused the police of Stasi or Stasi tactics and told the press she'd been arrested for a hate crime and accused of being an exceptional threat to transgender people. The police claimed that they received six complaints about Swain's stickers and posters regarding their abusive writing likely to cause harassment, alarm, or distress. Swain posted her own perspective on Twitter. Yesterday, when this article is written Sunday, the 23rd of 2022, January 2022, on the 23rd, I was arrested for hate crime. Gwent police saw me as an exceptional threat to the T or the trans community by posting stickers and posters that did not mention them once, the transgender community once. They were feminist in content and I felt pleasingly informative to women in concern. So she was having her freedom of speech and expression, right? When my house was raided, it has come to my attention that a book was taken by the police, a book edited by Heather Brunskill Evans on GC Children. It, had, it was crammed with my notes. My thinking is being investigated, not things. My thinking is being investigated, not things, not materials, not actions, my actual thinking. Fair Cop, a free speech organization, has stated that the Gwent police are guilty of unlawful interference and has offered to provide Swain with legal aid in the case should, not, should she need it. On Twitter, Fair Cop announced, we have our legal team in place. We will be setting up a donation platform in the next few days. In the meantime, we have paid costs and will be bringing our A team. You picked on the wrong people. So that's very good for defense. Jennifer Swain has been released on conditional bail and is still being investigated, as the Daily Mail observed. She is the latest in a series of women, men, and campaigners who have been labeled as anti-trans after expressing their views or publishing works which challenge the status quo. Well, think about that. Think about that. These women are having their homes raided. They're being taken into prison. And you know that these types of things are going on all over the world because they're expressing views which normally are not bigoted and angry and mean. Uh, It's normally to help people that are transgender or going in that direction. But again, that's a crime if you try to persuade somebody from doing the wrong thing. It's a crime. What kind of a world are we living in that even suggesting that what you're doing may be harmful to you, not only in this life, but more importantly, in the world to come. And by telling people this and sharing with them a more authoritative prescription, i.e. the Bible, the Word of God, to help them through this crisis that they're enduring, through this warfare in their minds, would be criminalized. And so you have digital currencies, and now you have speech control, or the thought police telling people how they should think. This is unthinkable for many people, but it is absolutely a foretelling of George uh, Orson Welles or George, I forget his name now, who wrote the script and made the movie 1984, and it was all about the thought police. That's very troubling. And what this woman was saying is because I'm sharing my thoughts I'm now being arrested. 
when has that happened in society? Hmm, maybe during the Hitler regime, where any other thought other than the one that they put into people's minds? And what thoughts did they put into people's minds? To demonize the Jewish people, to demonize morality, to demonize, and, and what I'm saying about moral, demonizing morality is what they're doing today. Today, they are demonizing morality, righteousness, that comes from a biblical point of view, of course, but if you don't want that biblical righteousness, that biblical point of view, then anybody and everybody who stands for it and with it becomes the enemy, and this is the persecution that is growing all over the world. Now, there is resistance, and thank God there is. Thank God there is. One more article, just to uh, kind of move in a direction today, because quite frankly, I'm looking forward to sharing some very important information. But listen to this article. This is coming, uh, again, from Prophecy News Work, okay? Prophecy News Works. And this is titled, The Ten Reasons Nissan One is a Pivotal Date in 2022. Now, let's go back and let's talk about this just for a moment. Let me explain this. Um, Since 20, I want to say 19, Uh, We still have at our gathering place uh, for New Wine Ministries a big whiteboard, and that's not a racist statement, by the way. It's a whiteboard with black marker on it, okay? Don't get offended. So we have this whiteboard, and I wrote out in 2019 about what to expect or what we saw coming in the year 2022, and it was the actual date, April 2nd. 2022 would begin the new year in the Hebrew calendar of 5782. 5782 begins April 2nd, which is April 2nd, 2022, is the new year, which would be Nissan 1 5782. So in the Hebrew calendar, Nissan 1. 5782, the first day of a brand new year, according to Torah, the word of God in Exodus chapter 12, Nissan 1, 5782 begins April 2nd, 2022. And what we've been saying for quite some time is that we have been in the year 5781, and the the number 5781 is pack your bags uh, to anguish, uh, tribulation, Affliction is, the, is what the number 5781 means. And so we have been in the process of getting bags packed, okay? Now, that's very, very interesting, especially in light of what you're about to hear, because, as you know, it was during the Passover, which was on the 14th day of the first month, okay? So the first day of the new of, of the of the first month in the new year 5782 will be April 2nd and then 14 days later Passover and that very first Passover was about a people who got all their stuff and they left Egypt and they went into the wilderness this article should be very very insightful to those who have been following some of the things that we've been sharing And this, again, is the 10 reasons that Nissan won is a pivotal date in 2022. All right, so here are 10 reasons 
Nissan One, which is April 2nd, is a pivotal date in 2022. Number one, the writer here says, Daniel's seven weeks. Nissan One this year marks the completion of seven sabbatical weeks since the 1967 restoration of Jerusalem to the Jews. This is significant because Daniel's weeks prophesy, or the Daniel's weeks prophecy says Messiah will appear seven weeks after Jerusalem is restored. Daniel 9.25 says, From the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks. The only modern restoration of Jerusalem occurred in June of 1967 when the Jews took possession of the holy city for the first time in nearly 2,000 years. That was the Six-Day War, 1967. Counting seven weeks from the start of the first sabbatical week following Jerusalem's 1967 restoration, which was Nissan 1973, we arrive at Nissan 2022. Okay, that's the first sign. So this seven sabbatical weeks of prophetic language comes to Nissan the first month of 2022, which is April 2nd, will be the wrapping up or the completion of the seven prophecy from the time of 1967 to the sabbatical years brings us to this month. Very interesting. Number two, this article goes on to say, the 50th year. Because Nissan won, which is April 2nd, marks the completion of seven sabbatical years, it also marks the start of a 50th year, a potential jubilee. It is interesting to note that because 2022 is a 50th year, this year's Pentecost, or 50th day, represents a 50th within a 50th, a numeric concurrence denoting harvest and the fullness of time that occurs only twice a century. Very interesting. Number three, Jerusalem's wall. Nissan One, which is going to be April 2nd, 2022, Nissan One this year marks the completion of seven and 62 sabbatical weeks since Jerusalem's wall was rebuilt by Islamic ruler Suleiman. This is significant because Daniel's weeks prophesy, or prophecy, Daniel's weeks prophecy mentions specifically the wall surrounding Jerusalem being built. Here's the quote from Daniel 9.25. From the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall. <clears throat> again, that's Daniel 9.25. Suleiman ordered the rebuilding of Jerusalem's wall in 1536 and 37 AD, counting seven and 62 weeks from the start of the first sabbatical week 
Following the order to rebuild, which was Nisan 1539 AD, we arrive at Nisan 2022. Number four in Nisan 2022 is April 2nd, 2022, okay? Number four, the solar eclipse anniversary. Nisan 1 this year, which is April 2nd, marks seven years to the day since a total solar eclipse darkened the northmost tip of the globe, the point where the longitudinal lines intersecting every nation and landmass coverage. Besides occurring on the biblical new year, the Nissan eclipse coincided with the spring equinox. For perspective, a total solar eclipse occurs on the spring equinox only one other time during the roughly 750-year period spanning 1662 A.D. to 2406 A.D. Such an eclipse at the top of the globe, however, is said to happen only once every 100,000 years, making it unprecedented. According to the Talmud, solar eclipses are a sign for the Gentile world. That the unprecedented Nisan eclipse occurred seven years ago is significant because God is known for giving a seven-year warning prior to bringing judgment. And that's found in Genesis chapter 7, verse 41, and Joshua chapter 6. Number five, the 11th week. Nisan 1, this year, which is April 2nd, marks the start of the 11th, there's that number 11 again, sabbatical week, 2022 to 2029. Since Israel became a nation in 1948, for, okay, the number 11 denotes chaos, disorder, and judgment in Scripture, themes associated with the tribulation period. Catch up on this. The next sabbatical cycle from 2029 to 36 is the 12th. The number 12 signifies God's authority and a perfect governmental foundation in Scripture, pointing to the establishment of Jesus' millennial kingdom. So that'll happen in the 12th. We're now in the 11th, starting April 22nd. Let's move on just a little bit further. The sixth reason is that the 354th week, that's what it's titled, the 354th week, Nisan 1 this year, which is April 2nd, 2022, marks the start of the 354th sabbatical week since Daniel's week's prophecy began to be fulfilled when a group of Jews began the journey home to Jerusalem from Babylon on the first day of Nisan in 457 B.C. Get the numbers, get the dates. That's in Ezra chapter 7, verse 9. The number 354 is significant for a couple of reasons. First, it is the number of days comprising the lunar year. Since the moon is symbolic of the church, or bride of Christ, it could be said that 354 denotes the fullness of time related to the bride. Second, it is interesting to note that Strong's number 354 in the Hebrew concordance is the word ayal, referring to a stag or male deer. Strong's number 354 in the Greek concordance is the word analemsis, referring to a taking up into heaven. 
Very interesting. That the Hebrew and Greek words related to the number 354 refer to a stag and a taking up to heaven is striking because one of the most profound rapture illustrations in the Bible depicts Jesus as a young stag who comes suddenly to gather up his beloved. And that's found in Song of Solomon 2, 8 through 10. And I quote, the voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He is looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Well, concurrences like the above do not carry the same weight as scripture. They nonetheless give one, give one pause. In the New Testament, the word coincidence is used only once in Luke 10.31. It is translated from a Greek word, snikiria, which is defined as a confluence that occurs by God's providential agreement or arrangement of circumstances. That is to say, where God is concerned, there are no coincidences. I believe that. The following anniversaries are not, as the above, precisely linked to Nisan 1. However, they do occur within days or months of this pivotal date. And so he goes to number seven, the Bethlehem star. June 30th, this year, marks seven years since a once in two millennia appearance of the Bethlehem star, the Jupiter-Venus conjunction that heralded Jesus' first coming. Could this dazzling and much-publicized heavenly alignment have been a seven-year warning pointing to the return of Jesus? Or, more accurately, to begin the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth? Is it possible that all these signs that we're hearing about and talking about is what is going to begin the church going into the wilderness? Okay, I'm just putting my thought into it now. Because we know in Revelation chapter 12 that there are two wings given to this woman that she's going to go into the wilderness where she has a place prepared for her. And we know that while Egypt was being destroyed, God was bringing his people out and bringing them into the wilderness. And so we know that there's a time of uh, this global upheaval, uh, depopulation of the planet. We know that the Bible talks about wars and rumors of wars and nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom and floods and hurricanes and earthquakes and pestilences and all these different things, right? Great deception all over the world. We're in the beginning of sorrows, but is it possible that all these things are leaning towards something ready to happen in the next month and a half, nearly two months, that could shift everything in the economy of God? Are we moving into the dispensation, or is the ecclesia, the church, moving from the kingdom age and the church age for the last 2,000 years into the canal, the birthing canal, known as the Great Tribulation, and will be birthed into the millennial reign of Jesus Christ? Think about this now. Think about this. If the shift that is being told us right now, because we're hearing a lot about paradigm shifts. We're hearing a lot about dispensational shifts within the economy of God. 
then God doesn't do anything unless he first reveals it to the prophets, the word of God. Here we go. So is it possible that what God is saying to the believers around the world right now with all that's going on in the world that we are observing through the lens of Scripture to gain a greater understanding of what time it is in the economy of God? Is God telling us through all these events, and there's more to talk about here in just a moment, that we are getting ready in the month of Nisan, the same month that Israel came out of Egypt into the wilderness but had to cross through the Red Sea, okay, is it possible that this is genuinely something God is saying to believers all over the world? Don't get caught in the snare because you won't be able to escape. You know, I've been talking to a friend that's been telling me how the Internet is ready to shift from 2.0 to 3.0, and it's already beginning very mildly, and they told about how 1.0 and what that was about with the beginning of the Internet and how we've been in the 2.0 where we can interact on FaceTime and Facebook and Google and Amazon, and we do all this interaction, but 3.0 is the thing that's going to catch people in the snare. This is coming from a man who's building a business in technologies and was sharing this with us. He was it was absolutely amazing. The 3.0, we need to be watching for that. We're going to look into that. We're going to talk about that because this is the interfacing. This is the actual, uh, this is huge, along with 5G. And I was just told yesterday that we're going to go right past 5G, and they're already preparing sixth-generation uh, sixth uh, towers. And some people, uh, and the first person I heard it from was Brian and Kathy, where Brian said, they're going to buzz right by the fifth generation or 5G towers, and they're already preparing six generations or 6G. And the understanding of the 6G is Genesis chapter 6, the days of Noah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So all these signs are swirling around. All these signs are swirling around, and we need to rightly divide the word of God. Something's happening. I mean, God is definitely foretelling of a transition, and we've got to steward the transition from one place to another. And in order to get from one place to another, you've got to go through something. And what I want to keep reemphasizing is that the, the ecclesia of God, according to Scripture, has to go through the tribulation period to get to the place immediately after the Lord will return to take his people with him, and then begins the process of the pouring out of the wrath of God upon the satanic system, mystery Babylon, and all of that aspect of the beast kingdom. And then we return with the Lord to set up his millennial kingdom. But we do know immediately after the tribulation, within a particular time frame, the Lord will descend from heaven in the clouds with a shout, and he will send his angels, and there will be a resurrection of the dead, and those alive and remaining will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The only thing we're viewing right now is all these signs are telling us to get ready, to be prepared, get your victuals. You as a people living on planet Earth with the arrival of the Antichrist that's going to be kicked out of the second heaven, Revelation 12, he's going to fall upon onto the earth. He's going to wake up with fury and rage. He's going to take possession of all the platforms 
of power, governmentally, technologically, and in every other way. And he's going to begin a three and a half year great tribulation against the resistors who refuse to take his mark, who refuse to give him his allegiance. For the devil has always desired one thing, and that is worship. And he craves worship. And if you don't worship him, he becomes like a Nebuchadnezzar that he'll throw you into the fiery furnace unless you bow down and worship when you hear all these sounds. So we've seen uh, some kind of symbology and typification of past rulers who are crazy for worship and all that stuff, right? We've seen what it could be like, but the one that's coming is going to embody all of that energy into himself because he's the one that is predicted to come and the church is oblivious, thinking they're going to be out of here in a preacher of rapture. But that's not really what the signs are all about. The signs are a forewarning, a foretelling, that if you're still living in the world on planet Earth the way that you always have, just capitulating and moving along, you're going to get caught in a snare. This is a great big warning. This is a dire situation. Because the majority of believers today believe they're out of here and the rapture's coming any minute now. And all the signs, they're interpreting them as being whisked away. But that doesn't happen until after the greatest tribulation that ever hit the face of the earth. That has never been before and will never be again. This is important to know. And don't let anybody persuade your mind any other way. I mean, you've got to find out for yourself. And if you don't believe that, then don't believe it. I urgently believe that this is what God is saying, and there's such a, a movement and opposition against it. And if I were the devil, I would oppose what I'm saying right now because I would want people to stop thinking about coming out and going into prepared places that God has for them, whatever that wilderness is, whatever that enter into your chamber, shut the door until the indignation be overpassed, or getting into a Goshen, or being part of a refuge, and learning to survive and live on planet Earth without the globalization and oversight of your life, and to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, where God is your protection. And, and the enemy, the dragon who pours out of his mouth with a flood of waters to sweep away the woman, will not touch those who are being kept by the power of God because of their obedience and their, and their conduct with the Lord and, go, and, and doing what he says to do. And, of course, while Noah was the one guy building the ark and the rest of the world was looking at him like a gazing stock, mocking him, laughing at him, he was getting some help from his sons, but he was the guy doing it for 100 years. That was his vocation. That was his vocation. Build an ark for the end of the world. And by his obedience, according to Hebrews chapter 11, he condemned the entire world by doing what God told him to do. And what the world didn't get is while he was preparing his ark and they were laughing and mocking at him, he was actually putting the condemnation upon the world at that time. And those who are preparing right now for the end are doing the same exact thing through their obedience to the scriptures because the scriptures are clear which we're going to get into in just a little bit. So let's get into point number eight. I don't think we're looking for a rapture to happen this coming April. I believe that we're getting ready to have our bags packed. That's what he's been saying, 87, 57, 81. Get your bags packed. Because I think we may be going out in April. Because there's a lot coming down the pike. 
and, and it's just a beginning moment. And I don't know what it's going to start looking like. I don't know if we're going to see the trumpet judgments possibly begin to come to pass. I don't know if there's going to be the sixth seal. I mean, it's po- either one of these are possible that while we've seen the minor beginning of sorrow signs, the release of the, of, of the horses, uh, you know, the seals have been opened. There's no problem. We can find that scripturally, biblically, historically, in our generation even. But now it's potentially the sixth seal, a global one. I mean, it's going to shake the world. And some people say the pandemic did or the pandemic did in 2020. That was the earth-shaking symbolic reality of the sixth seal. I don't know. I kind of think that it could be, couldn't be. But I know what follows that are the seven trumpets. So after the sixth seal opens, and there's this global event that shakes the whole world, that even the leaders of the world go into their underground bunkers, well, then when they come out after the event, now the seventh seal opens, and there's seven angels with seven trumpets, and the first four angels blow the four trumpets. These are events that are going to shake the world, like the Egyptian empire, as a singular nation thousands of years ago. Well, now we're talking about the shaking that's going to begin to come to pass on the global world order of things, and the rise of an antichrist global one world government, mamma mia. All right, so I think we're very close. Now, uh, the, the eighth sign that the article talks about is the blood moons. 2022 marks seven years. That's April 2nd. Marks seven years since consecutive blood moon eclipses occurred on the spring and fall harvest festivals of Passover and Tabernacles. Significantly, the Tabernacles eclipse was a super blood moon a phenomenon in which the moon's proximity to Earth causes it to appear particularly large. According to the Talmud, blood moons are a bad omen for Israel. Could the extra-large blood moon of 2015, visible above Jerusalem, have been the ultimate seven-year warning? Wow. Could be, huh? Let's look at number nine. Leafing of the fig tree. March 10th, we're right coming on the way, right? March 10th this year marks 73 years since the newly planted fig tree, Israel, substantially enlarged its borders by prevailing in the first Arab-Israeli war. That same spring, the fledgling Jewish nation established its first government and was admitted to the UN organization. This was 73 years ago. Israel's growth spurt in spring of 1949 is noteworthy because Jesus says, the generation who sees the still tender fig branch put forth leaves we'll see all the end time events come to pass. Matthew 24, 32 and 34. A typical human lifespan in scripture is 70 to 80 years, according to Psalm chapter 90, verse 10. Counting 80 years from 1949, we arrive at 2029. Subtracting seven years 
the presumed length of the tribulation period, we arrive at 2022. So again, everything in the ballpark. You know, the precise day and hour of things, very difficult, but everything in the ballpark. 2022, something swirling. In 5781, pack your bags, get ready, pack your bags, get your victuals, pack your bags. As the world is ready to transition from 2.0 internet, for example, to 3.0, the world is transitioning from dollars and rupees to digital currencies. The world is transitioning. So God has been telling the church, whoever has an ear to hear, through the prophetic voice of the Spirit, we are getting ready to transition. Our transition is coming out of her. The transition of the world is greater control over the, the environment and the people of this earth. The world is transitioning. God is transitioning. Simultaneous transitions. And if we're not careful, we could get caught in the snare that Jesus warned. As a snare will it come on the whole earth and they shall not escape. There are very fearful signs and wonders that have been showing up. There have been actual events on planet earth that have been showing up. So much so that Jesus said, men's hearts will fail them for fear of what they see coming on the earth. Right now, if you are a believer and you are operating in the spirit of worry, concern, fear, you're troubled, you are not ready. For what's coming. If the things of this world are upsetting you now, you are not going to make it in what is about to begin through all the evidence that we see 2022. Something is going to shift from the foot soldiers to the chariots, whatever it is. But if you or I have been entertaining spirits of fear, spirits of worry, spirits of anxiety, spirits of nervousness, spirits of tension, spirits of fear, whatever, you're not ready. My humble advice and plea to anybody hearing this message today is to obey Jesus. Do not worry about your life. Be anxious or careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The only genuine concern that the Bible allows for us is to be concerned for the body of Christ not unredeemed family members, the body of believers, to be concerned that they're going to be okay, that they're ready, that they're going to make it, that we hold one another accountable, we, we punch one another lovingly, we push, we fight, we, we rub one against, because we need everybody to grow up quickly right now. 
We need everybody to find their place in their calling as a member of the body of Christ, which the Holy Spirit sets every member as it pleases him. No member in the body of Jesus Christ is permitted to live in fear, worry, anxiety, or any other thing. You can't do it. And if that's what you've been entertaining, you need to confess it and you need to repent of it right here, right now, and let it go. Stop being afraid unless, of course, you are living in willful sin. If you are living in willful sin, you should be afraid. But what you should fear is God's holy power. And if you are living in willful sin, you need to beg God and cry out to God right now and seek for the gift of repentance. Esau sought repentance with tears, and he could not find it. This is dangerous. Don't want that to happen. Don't play games with God. Your eternal soul is on the line. And if you have been willfully sinning against God, today, if you're hearing this voice, repent. Turn to God with tears. Turn to God with a heart that says, I quit. I give up. I won't do it ever again. Give me the power to sustain me. And that power, of course, is in the Holy Spirit. That power, of course, is in the Holy Spirit. These are powerful things that are being told us here. Listen to this. I want to get to the 10th and final sign of this document, the setting up of an abomination. 2022 marks April 2nd, right ahead of us. 2022 marks 1,335 years since the Dome of the Rock, an Islamic shrine dedicated to Allah, was built on the Temple Mount in 687-688 A.D. This is significant because in Daniel's final vision of the end times, the setting up of an abomination that causes desolation is an important time marker. He says this in Daniel 12, 11, and 12. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. Daniel 12, 11 and 12. In Daniel's prophecies, a day typically represents a year. And you find that in Daniel 9, 24 to 27. Counting 1,290 prophetic years from when the daily temple sacrifice was taken away by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 and 585 BC, we arrive at 687, 688 AD. The year the Dome of the Rock was set up, counting forward 1,335 years from when the Dome of the Rock was set up, we arrive at 2022. Wow. Fascinating information. 
uh, the summary and conclusion was simply this. To sum it up, the first day of Nissan in 2022 marks precisely the end of seven weeks from the modern restoration of Jerusalem, the start of the 50th year from the modern restoration of Jerusalem, the end of seven and 62 weeks from the rebuilding of Jerusalem's wall by Suleiman, the seven-year anniversary of an unprecedented solar eclipse at the top of the globe, the start of the 11th sabbatical week since Israel became a nation in 1948, the start of the 354th sabbatical week since Daniel's week's prophecy began to be fulfilled in 457 BC. Anniversaries, not precisely linked to Nisan 1, but which occur within days or months of this date include the seven-year anniversary of the Bethlehem Star Conjunction, the seven-year anniversary of consecutive blood moons on God's harvest festivals, the 73rd anniversary of the leafing of the fig tree in spring of 1949, the 1335th anniversary of the setting up of an abomination on the Temple Mount. With the above in view, it can be said that the year beginning at Nisan marks a calendarical convergence like no other. The most compelling anniversaries are those related to Daniel 9.25, a very purposed to convey the time of Jesus' in the season of his coming, first the three and a half years of great tribulation. These things defy coincidence that Daniel's weeks may be counted separately or together and from different orders to rebuild Jerusalem. Only God knows what events 2022 might bring. However, it is certainly a ripe year for possibility. Is it possible that we are that close? In our generation, you could go back however one would want to, 20 years ago uh, to 9-11-2001, coming up on a 21st anniversary. Is it possible for you and I to conclude in our spirit, in our mind, that everything we've been taught, everything we've learned over the past decades, years, is information, revelation, is now going to become a reality. And the question only is this, what have we done with the information that we have received? What I'm about to say to you is intended to provoke you. I'm intending to provoke you. I may be misunderstood as being arrogant or anything like that, and that's okay. It's not my intention. But let me tell you something about the man that you're listening to and have been listening to, regardless of my growing pains as a Christian man and minor mistakes along the way and mistakes. Let me tell you something. From the day that we began to understand what was coming, going way back, we did not stand idly by, remain where we were, 
and just speak this over airwaves. The man that you're talking with today or listening to, we left our environment. We left our home because of a divine intervention of the Holy Spirit of God and meeting people out on the open road when we were doing a lot of conference speaking and how God signatured our leaving Southern California to come to a place we had never been before, Arkansas, Arkansas. I have before mentioned the detailed instructions on how we got here. My point today is to tell you that we haven't just been speaking about these things and staying static or still. We long ago, over 12 years ago, when we heard these things beginning to come to pass, also heard the Spirit of God say, leave that beautiful environment of San Diego, California. Leave that beautiful home. Leave that beautiful neighborhood. Leave that beautiful place. And God signatured, divinely guided everything to bring us here to prepare the man that you're listening to today. We've been fellowshipping for some time. He and his wife, my wife, Patricia Joy, and our family members and friends from our church and family members from church. When we all came here, we started preparing. We started doing what the word of God said, said we should do. Prepare your ark. First thing we did, we, we moved into the ark in Saw. We moved into the ark. We believe that being right here in this state of Arkansas is the greatest move we've ever made in our lives. For in this place, we have flourished, and in this place, we have prospered, and in this place, we have settled and become at peace. And with all that we talk about now from this place, we're talking from within the ark. And yet from within this state, this ark, this region, that God signatured and brought us to, we have done our own little part. We have our family members in our local assembly. We're connected to the greater body of Christ all over the world, in heaven and on earth. <clears throat> but our ecclesia that God knitted together of like-minded and like-hearted people who speak the same language have been supernaturally joined together. And together, through the years, we have been preparing. Why do I say this? To provoke you. To provoke you that we don't just talk. We've actually done what we've said. And now, as we're listening to all the stuff that's coming down the pike, we're not scrambling. We're in the right place. Doing the right thing with the right people right now. Where are you? How long have you been hearing, prepare, get ready? I believe potentially, strongly. I have a right to say I believe in something. That everything God's been saying for as long as we've been hearing it is about to become reality. As a matter of fact, the reason why I believe that so strongly 
is because the things that we've been saying all along actually became reality in many ways, not altogether, but in many ways in 2020. The world shut down in 2020. Churches shut down. People were scattered. Vaccines, masks, control, getting kicked off the Internet because you don't say what they want you to say in narrative. Freedom of speech violated. Intimidation against those that stood with their president, Donald J. Trump. Fear-mongering. Control. It's something satanic. So we're not just talking for 20-some-odd years, prophesying of the things that come. Many things that came came in a little different way we might have expected, but the evil came. That just convinces me that if the beginning of sorrows that we were talking about have happened, and we're seeing riots, nation against nation, kingdoms against kingdoms within their own selves, division, anarchy, this next wave is coming. I have no problem. The sixth seal or the beginning of the blowing of the first four trumpets, it's at the door. And what that's going to do is shake the earth. And it's within the trumpets that people start dying in mass. And in fact, by the time you get to the sixth trumpet, a third of the world population is gone. Which by the time you get there, if you follow scripture, should be about four billion people left on the planet. Well, where did the other 4 billion go? Or there, no, I take that back. There will be about 5.75 billion, a quarter of the population will have already left the earth by the time you get to the sixth trumpet. And at the sixth trumpet, when a third of the part goes, it literally splits the population from where we are right now at 8 billion. If you do the mathematics and study the book of Revelation and what it says, and, and you put it into today's, timeline, it says today by the sixth trumpet, there will only be 4 billion people left on the planet. Half the population between the quarter and the third will be taken out. So that tells me that there's so much more that we're getting ready to go into that we should not be a part of. And it all leads up to, obviously, the Great Tribulation. Man, wouldn't it be wonderful for Jesus' mind just to, just to put it out there the way it is? I'm sorry that we have such disagreements. Not that we have a disagreeable spirit, but we just disagree about doctrine sometimes, you know, about where's the, the rapture and all that stuff. And, you know, I just want to say today that everything that we've ever known and the way that we've known it and seen through a glass darkly and seeking to truly understand Bible prophecy for the days we're living in, why we were apprehended to go in that direction, I have no idea. Maybe we were just willing because we had nothing to really, you know, save. It's just a calling. And while our ideas may differ from others to some degrees, large or small, If you take it all together, 
I think it's safe to say, and I, and I mean what I'm about to say right now, that it's kind of like we've been through all through all this, will, this stuff, and God is bringing a people to a moment. He's bringing us to the brink of a moment. And people are going to show up from every walk of life to this brink, kind of like Israel coming out of the wilderness and coming to the Jordan, to the brink of the river. They, that whole, they all had to come through and they get to that moment. And I feel as though God's bringing people to, the, to a moment of understanding. The rallying point for this moment is not about the rapture, the timing of the rapture. It's not about our doctrinal, denominational creeds. I truly believe that the rallying point of the believers who have come to this moment of transition, we're about to go through something, the thing that God is raising up is the cross. Why the cross? The cross vanquishes every other thing that divides us. The cross is the rallying point of all true believers because it's the cross that initiated us in the first place. And the cross of Jesus Christ where we mentally, emotionally, solically, intelligently, he's raising that cross up at this moment, at the brink of transition, to rally his people together. Why? Because at the cross, you and I are one. At the cross, you and I have everything in common. We were sinners. Saved by grace, through faith, in what Jesus Christ did for us. When I first came to the cross, and the Christ of the cross, it's true, there I found mercy. There I found forgiveness. There I received an atonement. There I was justified. There. I was born again. When I came to the cross, it was to recognize that, yes, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as all have. When the Christ of the cross was preached, the very first place I came was to a recognition. I was on the wide road that was leading to destruction. I did not know it until I heard the gospel. And the gospel brought me to the cross and said, here is where your life has been spared. And I transitioned, as you did, at the initial beginning of this journey. I went from one side of the cross as a guilty sinner. I went through Christ and through the cross into an accepted son of God who has been in the journey of a lifetime ever since, being educated transformed, renewed, a new creation, more fruitful in my becoming. 
And through all these years, this march will be 40 years in my journey for me. All these years, we've come up with concepts, ideas, understandings. We've had so many failures, it wouldn't be fair to even try to write them in a book. But through every one of them, God turned our failure into success. It's amazing. He didn't note everything and tell everybody in the whole world every one of our failures. He never does. Because all what we thought was failure was him slaying our pride, our self-sufficiency, or anything else that would oppose his workmanship in my life or yours, in our lives. So all these years of journeying, maybe you've been journeying for six months, maybe you've been journeying for five years, maybe you've been journeying for 40, 50 years, 80 years, I don't know. But it's as though... As just like Israel, there were people born in the wilderness throughout their journeying. We're all different stages, but we all meet now at the river's edge. We're all coming to the moment of transition. We've come to, we're coming out of the end of something, and we have to go through something to begin something brand new in the economy of God. I can't get that out of my thinking. This is what God has revealed to my spirit. And because I'm on radio as a pastor for 30 years, loving the word of God, this is what I get. And as a watchman, if I didn't say what I believe God was revealing, I would be in trouble with God. So however you're hearing what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that Everything we've ever heard or known and has brought us to this moment, it's time once again to gather at the cross, to rally around the cross so that our differences can be slain that would divide us. Christ's cross is not to divide believers, it's to unify believers. Our doctrines, our creeds, our understandings, they've divided us. But what the cross does is it unites us again. Because if I've been forgiven, I can forgive you. You can forgive me. If I've been atoned for, so have you. If I was bought with a price, so were you. Therefore, as I value you and you value me, We value one another because of the price that was paid to be apprehended and purchased by Christ. God bought us with the blood of his son. That makes you valuable. And why would I maintain a division because you don't believe the same thing I do about the end times? No, we may have differences that have good, strong discussion and prevail upon one another to tell the truth of how we see it. It'll all come out in the wash, but regardless of those biblical, eschatological views of things, our unity, I love you, you love me, at the cross. The cross is everything. Well, I can meet you, Brother Vince, around the cross, but I don't believe we're in the last days. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I won't force you. All I could do as a preacher of the gospel is show you the word, look at the signs of the times, 
look through the biblical lens and give an interpretation, hopefully an accurate one, of what's happening. I could only warn you that all these times, years, have brought us to this moment, and something is about to shift. And again, in the world, from paper money to digital currency, from 2.0 internet to 3.0, which is dramatic and what it's going to do to people, um, there are many shifts going on in the world. There are shifts. God reminded me that back on December 11th, 2021, at 7.30 in the morning, showed me a race car with a speed shifter and that there will be four major shifts in the year 2020 that began in January and that this first shift is all about forced vaccinations and we're still in that all the way up until April. April begins in what I understand this year's prophetic word, the second shift. And you've heard that, and I'm not going to go through it again. So everything is shifting, and in the economy of God, God is shifting. But it's a shift, and and you and I are at this moment. And what I want to say to you is if I have ever offended you, if I have ever sinned against you personally, I would ask you to forgive me for anything I've ever said or done in conduct or in anything. If I've ever offended you, forgive me. Number one, it's healthy for you to do so. Number two, it releases things in the spirit. And I want you to know that I forgive you. Choose to release you, to let go. I have nothing of ought against you period. This is how the journey begins. Forgiveness. Why? Because if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. That's Jesus's words in red letters. So I forgive you out of the fear of the Lord, not because I have so much emotional love for you. And that's just being honest. I forgive you because It's the right thing to do before my father, whom I do love. And I do love you. And I do forgive you. I'm not talking about emotions here. You can't forgive people emotionally. Eventually, forgiveness will will affect the emotions in time. There'll be healing. But the decision from the will to obey God to forgive, imperative. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we begin today, all right, we gather at the cross. We've come to this moment. We're about to go through something. How are we going to go through it together? What are you coming out of your moment with to share? What are we coming out of this moment with to share? How shall we walk together? How shall we live together? How shall we, the body of Christ, the true ecclesia of God Almighty, which obviously only God knows who they really are. Belonging to a special group does not make you a true member of the body of Christ. To be a true member of the body of Christ is to be apprehended by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God sets you in the body to function the way it pleased him. You know what I do every day? I'm functioning 
in what God has set me to do. I live in a set functioning member, as a set functioning member in the body of Christ. To do what? To inspire, to preach, to unveil enthusiasm about the glorious things of God. This is how God set me. I don't do this because it's my job. I don't do this because I get paid to do it, because I don't. I do this because it's a calling. It's been a calling on my life since the very beginning. And the very beginning download of my spiritual journey with God was the book of Jeremiah. I had my elder George used to call me Jeremiah all the time, and Nehemiah. They used to call me these names because the anointing would come out over airwaves, behind pulpits, in conversations. So I've been warning the world and the church for a very long time of what I now believe is about to take place. Jeremiah preached for 40 years. I'm going to be 40 years young in the kingdom in March, in this time frame. And I I just think, Are we ready to do what Jeremiah did as he walked through the rubble of his destroyed nation because they rejected to hear the warnings? And you know there are many preachers out there that have a Jeremiah anointing. They have very prophetic anointings, and they have been warning and warning and warning, and they were the David Wilkerson's, and they were the Dimitri Dudemans, and they warned and warned and warned and warned, and And God raised up unsuspecting vessels to keep warning people, watchmen on the wall, observing the landscape movements, warning the people behind the wall, hey, this is what I see. Are we coming to the moment, end-time Bible prophecy like we have never experienced it before, even though we've actually experienced and witnessed the beginning of sorrows in our generation since Israel became a nation? Wow. That's what I'm thinking. So, yeah, the picture on the screen is still stuck. However, let me say good morning. I think we're broadcasting on uh, Omega Radio, Facebook, and on the um, New Wine Ministry website. Uh, And it looks like we have some friends joining us. Cindy Messman, good morning. Sister Cindy, God bless you. Charlotte Gotch is with us today. God bless you, Charlotte. I love it when our friends show up here, huh? The screen is black, can't see you. Okay, that's okay. Uh, Can you hear us? Can hear you loud and clear. Perfect. That's all that was important. Um, Kevin Hauger, I hope everyone is having a beautiful morning. Thank you, Kevin, for that blessing. Jeff Bass says, George Orwell. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for that uh, correction on my part, talking about the movie 1984. Uh, Jody Keene, can't see you. That's okay if you could hear us. Praise the Lord. Uh, Joy Shung, yes, what kind of a world are we living in? In the 1990s, I hear a talk by Josh McDowell where he said that the gay agenda is not just to be accepted, but to be lifted up. What? So sad. Laquita, good morning to our sister Laquita, saying good morning to everybody. Uh, Autumn Nichols is saying, speaking of wireless technology, I work for Verizon, 
wireless for five years. At that time, they had a sales slogan, rule the air. Wow. It was a bit unsettling even then as Satan is ruler of the airwaves. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And yes, that's kind of what's happening. Uh, David Ellison, and it was great seeing you and your your hubby uh, this weekend, Autumn. God bless you. And I believe Travis, God bless you guys. David Ellison uh, says, did you have fun shop, uh, shopping in the snow? Yes, we had a blast. We tried to get some 360s going, but Patricia didn't go for that at all. Anyways, <clears throat> Jim Davidson, Autumn Nichols. Jim Davidson, who was that? Oh, that was the guy. I work for Verizon. Okay. All right. Uh, Brian and Kathy Gray, you two need to come see us in Arkansas. Hey, Brian and Kathy, if you're out there, the call to come to Arkansas, and I'm sure you will. We're going to see Brian and Kathy. Oh, Brian and Kathy said, Lord willing, we will. Ah, they are there. Good news. Uh, yes and amen. Walking in the spirit daily, all day. Good morning. All right. So some we're, we're glad that you're with us out on the uh, Facebook and YouTube um, nwmglobal.org and omegaradio.org. Let's see what's going on in Blog Talk. Got some calls coming in on Blog Talk Radio. Let's bring that in right now. We always love our friends calling in to the broadcast. So let me go there right now and say good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Area code 605. Good morning. Yes, um, I have a question and then uh, a comment read from a a man by the name of Henry Gruber. My, now, here's the scripture that was brought out in an uh, article he wrote in 2006, and it was in Hosea 5.15. And this is what the Bible says. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. And here is a comment about this. And this is Henry Gruber's writing. In this pressure cooker, Israel will cry and mourn, calling their Messiah and Deliverer. And he promises to pour out the spirit of grace in supplications. When Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he was delivered. Always when grace comes, there is deliverance and a plan is revealed. But the Messiah can't come just yet, even though most Bible teachers Jump ahead to Zechariah 14.4 with Jesus' coming. No, not for two more chapters does he come. Why not? No, because they must come to the knowledge of the truth and recognize their offense. What offense? This is all Henry Goober's writing. That they crucified their very own Messiah, crying, his blood be on us and on our children. Then you can see Matthew 27, 25, he quotes, they must be brought to the undeniable truth of their forefathers' mistake. And then the eyes of those of the Jewish people will be open. Now, with all this happening, and like you said, we're right up and we're moving right into the sixth seal. This is amazing because people... Are, are not really believing that the harvest is coming in right now? And that's my question. Do you personally see God moving in other nations as well as 
in America now to bring those people in to be having to be coming into the kingdom of God so that the seal of God will be on them for those that will be kept through this whole ordeal? That's a great question. What I do is I do hear that in particularly the Middle East, that there are men and women who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ all throughout the Middle East. And uh, one friend told me he sold everything he had and he bought New Testament Bibles to get them to the people of Afghanistan. We were going back maybe 10, 10 years ago or so. And uh, he said these people would get the New Testament and they would say, why have we never had this book before? All they had was the Quran, uh, the Hadith, the writings and teachings of Islam, and maybe an Old Testament Bible, the you know Torah. But they never had the New Covenant. And so because they received the New Covenant, um, they're getting born again. I just heard of a story of uh, some terrorists that were about to kill some people and they heard the gospel, they put down their weapons, started weeping and received Yeshua as their Messiah. So it does appear that a harvest is going on in the Middle East. I, I would imagine around the world, while the gospel is still being preached, that there are people that are still being saved by the grace of God. Um, the question that I have right now, and people are asking, um, is there a day where the preaching of the gospel will actually cease? Will the day of salvation close? Will there be a time where the door to the ark will be shut and the opportunity for souls to be saved come to an end for a period of time? And everything in me says yes, because Jesus said it would be like the days of Noah. And we know that when Noah had preached for 100 years, he entered into the ark, the door was shut. And so I do believe that you may, we may in our, this generation, in this time frame that we've been in, uh, yes, we are hearing of, mul- of people, we're hearing multitudes of people are being saved, uh, particularly in the Middle East. That's my answer to that. Praise the Lord. That's beautiful. So uh, when, when Jesus comes the second time for his bride, he will people them that are completely clean and they will be without spot and wrinkle because what we're going to what people will go through they will cry out to god amen they will and that's that's definitely sure um you got it um that is the whole point here i'm actually moving into something that you're creating a uh, a real good understanding right now for uh what we want to share uh people crying out to god in the days we're in we are hoping that people will accept will accept the gospel and will and if you're a believer and you have not been living right before the lord that conviction will come and uh, people will begin to see themselves undone and cry out to god and receive the gift of repentance um you know that's the hope for all i mean every single one and none of us should presuppose that you know i've got it all worked out um, you know, be, be, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. But, Kathy, I do want to share a little bit out of the Gospel of John. I think this is important, and you're welcome to stay with me on this. Um, we were reading today where Jesus is talking about, in, in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He says, um, In verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and known of mine. And he says, 
In verse 16, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. This speaks of the Jew, Gentile, becoming one new man. This is the one flock of God. Uh, He says in verse 17, therefore does my father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Um, Jesus talked about um, in, in the John chapter 10, of being the one that lays down his life for the sheep. He's the door to the sheep. He protects the sheep. He leads the sheep. Um, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to, get, they, to lay down my life, that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. What I was picking up um, between John chapter 10 and obviously Psalm 23 is for somebody today, maybe all of us, to recognize that Jesus Christ is our, and just put a Y in front of our, and it's your, great shepherd. And in the days in which we live, we have not been brought to the brink of this moment of transition without someone to steward it. And we know that Yeshua is the great shepherd. So he's always leading and guiding, and those that he raises up to steward the transition are following him. We know that. And we know that he does raise up like the apostles to steward the transition out of Judaism into the kingdom and the church age. So I want people to be very, very confident today in your walk with God, with all the scary stuff going on in the world. You don't have to be afraid because you do have a shepherd that is guiding your life, that is willing to lay down his life. He already has, but he will do it again to protect you. He has not abandoned you. He is not a shepherd far off that he cannot help you. He is presently the shepherd and the bishop of your soul now. You are under a supernatural hedge of protection. And what the world and the devil would like to do to you, like kill the sheep, they can't because the shepherd that you've allowed to take the lead in your life, whom you follow, who you stay close to as a sheep taking very close residence to the shepherd, nothing happens to you without the shepherd allowing it to happen. And I just want to encourage someone today that you do not have to be afraid. Don't be afraid of what they want to do to you. Sure, the wolves want to eat the sheep. Sure, the people want to steal the flock. Sure, the enemy wants to get in and hurt the thing. But you have a shepherd that will not be denied. You have a shepherd that watches over you. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He leads you beside still waters. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. He restores your soul. And I want you to know that You have a pasture to feed on, that your shepherd leads you to the green pastures with the living waters, the crystal clear waters, and he leads you into the high places, and he leads you there. And in the high places, the green fields of fruitful abundance and the living waters that flow. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. The Lord is your shepherd. He will guide you as your spirit follows him. He will guide you into the fruitful fields of abundance where you can lie down and refresh and restore and get ready for the journey. And even if he leads into the valley of the shadow of death, he will prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. He will cause the anointing to overflow in your life to bless you and to keep you and to keep you close to him. I'm telling you, somebody today needs to know that you are not alone. You're not going it alone. You are never been left alone. For I will never leave you nor forsake you, saith the Lord God. I am with you to lead you and guide you into the beautiful things that I have for you in my kingdom. This must be our reality. And you must know that the world, they want to suppress you. If you don't do what they say, they want to hurt you. They want to put you in prison. They want to kill you. They want to, just, they want to do all this. So what would they want to do? The Lord wants to bless you. The Lord desires to keep you. The Lord desires to move you and guide you. The Lord desires to lead you into every rich, beautiful, intrinsic, spiritual blessing that you could ever know. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. As you go, know and hear his voice. For my sheep know my voice. They follow me wherever I go. You are his. He bought you. You belong to him. Don't be afraid. For if they put you in prison, it's because he allowed it to be. And in that prison, you will flourish just like all the others that belong to the Lord, whether it was Joseph or the Apostle Paul, who wrote the incredible letters. They cannot, he says, don't fear them that could kill the body, but after that have nothing they could do. Fear him who after he kills has power to cast both body and soul into hell. Fear him. So we fear him, but we love him. He loves us. He's our shepherd. Aren't you glad to know that you are not alone? Kathy, anything you'd like to say? Yes, this has been well said. And the verse that came to me while you're ministering now these words, the Lord said, I will give you a mouth that your enemies will not be able to gainsay nor resist. So it's that anointing, no matter what we go through. That's it. Amen. So he's your shepherd in South Dakota. He's my shepherd in Northwest Arkansas. He's Pastor Jeff Bass's shepherd in Virginia. He is Kathy and Brian's shepherd in Hawaii. He is the shepherd of Pastor Kevin and Nancy Honeycutt, who we need to report, Pastor Kevin. We need to hear from you about your wife. But he is their shepherd as well. He is the shepherd of all of God's people, wherever they are. Pastor Melissa Fletcher in the South Dakota area, our friends in Minnesota, our friends in Wisconsin, our friends in Colorado, our friends in California, wherever you're listening right now, wherever you are, the shepherd and the bishop of your soul is with you. So hear his voice and go out into the fruitful fields of abundance wherever he's led you and guided you and live an abundant life in him a quality-filled life. He is not only your shepherd, he is your 
great physician. He's the one that can heal you right now. You do not need a doctor in the first place. You need to go to the great physician. You can say to the great physician, who is your shepherd, heal me now of all my infirmity. Heal me for the damages that living in fear and worry and anxiety has brought upon me. Heal me from all things, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. Oh, my great physician, I drink deep of the anointing, the golden oil, the medicine of your blood, the medicine of your word. I receive it into my spirit. By your stripes, I am healed. Yes, he is your bread of life. Yes, he is your drink. Yes, he is your portion. Yes, rivers of living water are flowing through you right now. Every cell in your body being quickened by the resurrection and the anointing and the power of your great shepherd, the spirit of the living God given to you to guide you as a scout upon life's journey, to lead you and guide you. If he tells you to go this way, don't be afraid. Don't say, oh, no, I'm all camped out here. Just follow him. If he tells you to get up, pack your bags, move into a place, do it. Don't delay. Follow him. Don't live your life in the nest of this earth. It's only temporary. You're not here forever. Get into the journey. Be an adventurer. Be a pioneer. Move out into the direction that God wants you to go mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Get your victuals. We're ready to cross over. What an amazing time. Be revived. Be renewed. Be, oh, God Almighty, do great things in the people today. This is what God has called you to. This is what God has called you to. I'm going to take another call real quick. You can stay with me, Kathy. I'm going to go to 479-855-25. You're on the air. Good morning. God bless you. What is in your heart today? Good morning, Pastor. Uh, Great, great message. It's a call. It's a wake-up call. You know, but some people might not take it that way, but what I hear coming out of your voice is compassion a compassion for all those people who have not heard this word before or who have heard it but never really listened to it. But the compassion that you have for other people, for the souls that are out there that really need to begin to work, to work out their salvation, to get rid of all the wrongful things in their lives and get ready for the coming of Christ, it's really a great cry of compassion and I really thank you for being obedient to the Lord and doing what you're doing. Uh, well, thank you very much, Pastor Ken. I know that this is our call, right? We're like little under-shepherds. We're like little tiny shepherds. And, and we're supposed to be leading and guiding the way that the great shepherd does. And uh, therein we, we do rejoice. We do rejoice. Praise the Lord. Thank, so thank you again. And the rest of it goes along the same vein, is that each and every one of us, as we learn, we need to begin to share it with others. You know, we can start with our very families, because many times our families have rejected what we are saying, but we need to give them the chance to really understand. And all of our friends that we have as well, the same thing. Many have rejected what we are saying, what you are saying, but it is a time that even if they reject it, we need to give them the last opportunity to begin to go ahead and do what they have to go ahead and do. Out of compassion for them, out of love for them, out of love for the body. And that's exactly what you're doing. So thank you once again and keep up the good work. 
All right, Brother Ken. Pastor Ken Wagner, God bless you and thank you for that call. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, just because of the time we're in right now, I want to get this out before I go any further. I want to say thank you, and I'm just going to name a few first names out there. Uh, Autumn, Don, Kelly, Kathy and Brian, Jim. Uh, right now, you folks have stepped up. You have supported this ministry. I think there's one or two other people, and I need to get their, their names back on my list. Uh, that just heard the cry of our ministry. We went into a little bit of a negative financially. And, and, and those of you who have stepped up and have given, thank you. And may God bless your giving. May He could give more to you than I could ever promise you. He's already promised what he's going to do. He's going to multiply your seed sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness, rebuke the devourer off of your life, open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. It's all very, very good. And I just wanted to say thank you for those of you who have stepped up and have done what you have done to make uh, this, this financial part of the journey a little bit more. If you would like to call in right now to the broadcast, the number to call is 818-369-0326. You have to press one on the dial pad and I will know that you are coming back in. Let me just say to Kathy one more time in South Dakota, Kathy, were there any other thoughts you wanted to share? No, it's it's been covered. Praise the Lord. I'll just end with amen, so be it. <laughs> okay, amen, and so be it. I totally agree. All right, waiting for your call, 818-369-0326. What did we hear today? Uh, the chat room went, went a little, little quiet there, not too many comments, but trusting everything's all right happening in the chat room. Um, so here's how I would actualize what we heard today. We heard articles, fearful things coming on the earth. Don't be afraid. Times of anxiety, stress, worry coming on the earth. Don't you be stressed out. Don't you be worried. Don't you be concerned about anything except the body of Christ to make sure they're going to be okay. I'm hearing in my spirit years of watching, years of prophesying, years of studying. You come, we're coming to, there's a gathering at the brink. The cross is exalted. We come together through Yeshua. Our unity is in the Son of God. Our unity is in his grace. Our unity is in his mercy. Our unity is in his forgiveness. Our unity is in all that he has given to each one of us. That's where we stand unified. And we're getting ready to go through something. And it should be an amazing journey. It should be an amazing, pioneering journey of a lifetime. And the, and the forerunners have gone before us. Jesus Christ is known in Scripture as the forerunner that has gone before us into heaven. You and I are on our way into eternal life. I know it's already in us by faith. But you and I have been promised eternal life in the Spirit. It's incomprehensible. It is unfathomable of what that actually means. But you're on the track. So link up with other believers. Hear the call. Come out of her, my people. Be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Don't get caught in the snare. Be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. Follow the voice. My people know my voice. Follow it. Let it lead you and guide you into the fruitful fields of abundance. 
And even if you happen to go into the valley of the shadow of death, don't worry. There's a table prepared for you. You're with the great shepherd. He's going to watch over you, guide you, protect you. He's got a shepherd's rod. He'll whack the daylights out of anything that tries to hurt you. And that's where we stand. That's where we stand. Keep on pressing. Keep on seeking. Keep on praying. Lord, where do you want me to be? Am I in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now? Am I there? Remember, what the devil wants you to do is keep on delaying. Keep on hesitating. Keep on waiting. Oh, I think I hear his voice. No. If you're his sheep, you know his voice. Follow it. Follow the voice. And I think without further ado, we're done. And I just want to say thank you. I'm going to put on the board, and I'm going to say if you would like to support this ministry, you could do it by sending a gift to P.O. Box 100. Why would you support this ministry? So we could just get up and simply do what we do every day. And all we're doing is paying bills. And we're, we got a little behind. We're catching up. We could certainly use some more financial help. And if you are led by the Spirit of God, if the shepherd of your heart tells you to give to the ministry one way you can, P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. If you would like to give online, you can go to omegaradio.org, omegaradio.org. Find the donation tab. You can go to NWM Global. NWM stands for New Wine Ministry, nwmglobal.org. You can give on the donations tab there. You could actually give on your phone by just going to your text and texting these numbers, 41088. And then right next to that, no, de- no, no space, type in in small letters the word Omega, O-M-E-G-A. So 41088 Omega. And then type in the word give in the type bar. So just text 41088 Omega. Type in the word give. It'll send you a link. You can give that way. Thank you for doing it. God bless you. And we really do appreciate it. And we are coming up and out of a little bit of negative uh, financial stuff. And your every little bit helps a lot. And we do appreciate that very, very much. Until we meet again tomorrow, we'll be with Brian and Kathy and uh, get a heartbeat for what's going on with them and what's happening with them. I don't know what happened today. We've been frozen on the video. And maybe God was just giving people a break from having to look at this mug. Either case, we'll see you tomorrow right here on The Watchman. You've been listening to The Watchman on Omega Radio. I'm Pastor Vincent Xavier. Until we meet again, shalom and God bless you. Right now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, omegaradio.org. Some great music there, some great sermons. If you got time, check it out. Right now, 24-7, omegaradio.org.